Tappers, what's up? It is the Friday edition of the Daily Tap. Hope you're doing well, hanging in there. As always, we've made it to Friday. It's felt like a long week, I'm not going to lie to you. I think the Thursday nights that we've been out for the Bucks. I think we've been out last two Thursday nights. So the weeks are kind of shortened up because they feel like the weekend. You have a few beers early in the week, feeling good. Friday rolls in. And this was like a first full week in a long time. And now we have the 4th of July next weekend, a Thursday Bucks game as well. So this is only temporary, um, as John Rossing would say. We got a good show today. Um, we're going to talk about why this Bucks series has a lot of vibes to the Boston Celtics 2019 series. Feeling a little bit of a similarity. I'll lay out the case for it. I'll explain why. Jason Kidd back in our lives. It looks like Jason Kidd is going to be the head coach of the Dallas Mavericks. We'll talk about why that is an abject disaster. Um, yeah, get the shit on Jason Kidd for a little bit. And then we'll check in with the Brewers. They got reopening day later this afternoon as well. So fun show today. Should be a good one to end us on a high note. The Milwaukee Bucks will get ready for game two tonight. Game two will be a big game. It'll be a pivotal game. The hype around it, the what the national media types today on Bill Simmons, part of my take, and many others will hype it up as a must-win game for Milwaukee. I'd push back a little bit on that slightly. They are right. You know, this is a game that the Bucks do need to win, make it 1-1, and then in game three, take control of the series. This the reaction after game one has felt really similar to what we saw after the Boston Celtics Milwaukee Bucks series in 2019. Remember, Paul Pierce, now granted, former Celtic, uh, declared the series to be over after game one. Paul Pierce said it was over. I do reviews all over social media. You can follow Snowtap, WI on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. I've had people in my TikTok. Uh, comment saying Bucks or Hawks and four, Hawks and six. And I know they're just random people, but everybody is ready to crown Trey Young's ass. Just similarly to what they were doing to Devin Booker after his 40 point performance in game one. Now, Devin Booker did hurt his nose in game two, which kind of affected him. And then he was locked down by Patrick Beverly tonight in game three, which was a nice adjustment from Ty Lue. The overreactions just seem to be grandiose at this point. Now, I know it's it's basketball. I know that's what NBA Twitter does. I know everybody lives for the highlights. I get that the shimmy was cool. I still think the Bucks are going to be massively offended by the shimmy. But everybody was ready to throw dirt on the Bucks team two years ago, and they are kind of starting to think about it. I think the Brooklyn series has given the Bucks a level of respect and I don't think there are a lot of people who think this is the same old Bucks. But I watched that Bucks team and I did not feel mad about that win. I just felt like the Bucks didn't come ready to play. That was my annoyance, that the Bucks were not ready to play and Atlanta was. And Atlanta, even though they both played game sevens, Atlanta just looked like it as the next opponent. The Bucks kind of looked down at Atlanta and Atlanta punched them in the mouth. Now it's up to the Bucks to deliver that counterpunch and I think they can deliver punches the rest of the way because Atlanta is very one-dimensional. It is Trey Young and it's everybody else. I know John Collins and Clint Capella had some big rebounding games, 
But trust me when I say the Bucks will figure out how to properly do their small ball. Their small ball has to be different than the small ball they ran against Brooklyn. People kind of forget that the small ball stuff started against Brooklyn. They did it in game four. They brought it out a little bit in game six. It definitely showed itself in game seven. And Brooke Lopez is a good defender. And I love Ryan Rosillo, one of my favorites, but was banging on Brooke Lopez saying he's not playable in this series. And I'll push back a little bit on that. Like, I agree they probably should go small and play Brooke less. But I think if you tell Brooke to do a little different things, getting in Trey Young's grill piece, not allowing the floater to happen, yes, does that open up maybe a space below with Capella or or John Collins to fill in, maybe. But Trey Young's going to think about shooting the basketball first. And if it ends up with Trey Young going to the foul line and a hard foul, I'm not going to hate on that. Use up your six fouls, Brooke Lopez. Don't, don't waste them out there. And I think Drew Holiday is going to have a different approach with Trey Young. I Look, Holiday put Drew in, or Holiday put Young in the torture chamber back in earlier this season he went three for 17 he was terrible it's it's just i i do not believe that one game is going to make the playoffs it never does game one rarely tells the story of the of the series if we go to all the game ones that we've seen how many of them have told the story atlanta philly was a high scoring game that was 128 to 124 they never reached that level again the rest of the series. Um, Brooklyn-Milwaukee, it was an absolute dog walk by Brooklyn. And that felt like it might be the series. After game two, it felt like that was going to be the series. And even after game two, it didn't tell the story. Uh, Phoenix-Denver, yeah, that kind of did tell the story. Phoenix was so much better than Denver. They blew out Denver twice. That, to me, was actually, we were like, all right, here we, we know what this series is. And Clippers and Jazz, the Jazz were up 2-0. And then the Clippers went and won four straight. So I'm not ready to just say, okay, the Hawks are a better team here. They're not. And the Bucks are so much better. And to go back to that Boston series that we referred to, remember, they blew out Boston game two. They beat them by 20 points. I think the Bucks, I love the Bucks tonight. I, like, I gambled on them on game one. I'm going to do it again in game two, maybe a little more responsibly, but I really do like the Bucks tonight. Then they had a huge third quarter that propelled them in game three and four in Boston, made great in-game adjustments, and shut down the Boston offense down the stretch. And also remember, in that series, Giannis was fucking special in those two games. In game three and game four, Giannis had two massive games. He made 16 of 22 free throws in that game, in game three. Giannis took over in those those games. Now, Giannis was good in game one, but and he had a great stat line, but it did feel like he was a little quiet. We never really had like the full out Giannis takeover. I think the Bucs were feeling out the Hawks more than the Hawks were feeling out the Bucs, if that makes sense. If that makes sense. I, I, I'm not saying the Bucs were playing rope-a-dope at all, but when we talked about kind of they were playing with their food, they weren't really that engaged. Bud threw out Jeff Teague, which was a disaster. I, you know, I think they were just trying so many different things. And I think you will see the real Bucks stand up in this game. I just think you will. And also a note to make maybe drive home this comparison a little bit more. 
the Bucks are such a better team this year than they were in 2019. You know, you had Nikola Mirotic starting. You had Eric Bledsoe out there. You had fucking even George Hill. Like they're they have just so many upgrades all over the all over the court. Although I don't know, I think George Hill. I think a lot of us will probably take George Hill on the bench. But regardless, the Bucks have a better team now. And they can do this. And they can win four straight games and get red hot. And the Hawks did play well in certain facets of, of game number one that were vital to victory. But I don't think enough people pointed out that they were so close to getting their doors blown off. They were on the edge of the Bucks, like steamrolling and just taking game one. It didn't happen because Jeff Teague was out there for far too long, and that sort of flipped the momentum. It flipped the switch for Trey Young, and that it all changed. The defense against Trey Young also will be different. They're going to try new things. What that will be, I don't know. Is it going to be bringing out Holiday more? Is it going to use Giannis in a help spot? As it seems like Young is a little more intimidated to do the floater against Giannis, mostly because. Giannis can fucking jump and Giannis can alter that floater a lot. Will that be what it is? Are we going to see more Bobby Portis? What's, what is sort of going to be that adjustment? If they stick to the drop, Mike Budenholzer is a complete incompetent buffoon. And I know that a lot of you think he is. I get it, right? But I'm telling you, if that's what they stick with, if they actually continue with the drop, then what the fuck are we even doing? What what are we even doing if that's what the if that's what the Bucks decide to do? I guarantee you the drop will not be a huge part of what Milwaukee is trying to accomplish when it comes to the game tonight. This question I'd have for Hawks fans is would you want Bogdan Bogdanovich to play tonight? I think you don't. I think you sit him. You've already stolen a game in Milwaukee. Why not rest him? See if he can get ready for game three back in Atlanta. It's not like you're waving the white flag here. I, I could argue maybe Atlanta's better off without him. But then again, you look at Atlanta's depth. And I've talk, I have talked about it with Collins and Capella about getting him into foul trouble, which the Bucks did not attack the rack nearly enough against those guys. Um, they don't have much. So what? That being Danilo starts and then you have more Solomon Hill minutes. That seems like a nightmare altogether so if that's what they do that's definitely trouble but I don't think Bogdan plays tonight I I will stick that out there I think they've already stolen a game on the road they don't need this win technically of course would they love it of course but I think you're gonna have Bogdan sit and if he somehow plays because I think he's kind of a gritty guy I think he likes to try to scrap it out Milwaukee needs to hunt the fuck out of him they just need to absolutely bury him and that's what, that's what they should do when it comes, if Bogdanovich does play. I also think the energy in the stadium will be different. I, I just, I think they weren't all there. I don't think the crowd sucked. I had friends who were at the game. They said the crowd wasn't that bad. That was kind of an overreaction. I know I quoted Jim Ostrowski the day, uh, yesterday's podcast, but they always said the crowd was all right. So I'm going to take the word of the people that were were there actually in the stands. You know, a media member, it's a little bit different. So I, but I, but regardless, I expect the energy to be totally different. It is a Saturday night or a Friday night. It's, 
opening day is going on, so you're going to have people out early, drinking, having a good time. It is going to be a very drunk crowd. It is, that, to me, is going to be a loud, rowdy crowd from the fucking jump. That will be one of the bit better crowds I think we're going to get from the Fiserv Forum. And that, to me, is going to help and push things forward. Like I said, I really like the Bucks tonight. I think they are on the path to a series win. I'm not, my confidence is not shaken at all. Um, might it not be the Boston series and it goes six or it goes even seven? Heaven forbid. I, I don't know if I could do another game seven. Maybe. But right now, I still think the Bucks are the far better team and they're going to flex their muscles tonight. Moving on to other NBA news. Uh, Jason Kidd is back employed in the NBA. Yes, you heard that right. Jason Kidd is the head coach of the Dallas Mavericks. He returns to Dallas. It seemed almost inevitable, right? It seemed inevitable that Jason Kidd would find his way back to one of the teams he had coached before or played for before. Kidd uh, did that in New Jersey, then Brooklyn, and was the Brooklyn coach for a while. And then Milwaukee brought him. And everybody who has been through the kid years knows how much of a disaster it was. Now, the way it's being sold in the media, Mark Stein, one of the Dallas, just, it's, he carries the water more than any NBA journalist for a specific team. I know it's his home team. I know he has a lot of love for Dirk Nowitzki, but no one carries the water like Mark Mark Stein. And I like Mark Stein. I, don't get me wrong. But it is biased journalism from him. It just is. I'm sorry. And, of course, he's pumping it up like this is a good thing. And this is what they're what the, the Mavericks should do going forward. And Dirk Nowitzki helping out. And they're basically trying to, like, recreate the 2011 Dallas Mavericks team. It wouldn't shock me if Jason Terry ends up on the coaching staff, right? Like, they're just trying to recreate what they had in those championship years. I can't disagree more with that. It sounds like they got a good GM hire. It sounds like the guy they're bringing in for GM is good, but I but I can't disagree with the decision for Kid. Kid is going to wear out his welcome. First of all, I I can count the ways. First of all, Jason Kidd's a snake. All right, he is an absolute snake. He does not care about anybody but himself. Jason Kidd will always put his interests over everybody else. And I just don't know how that's going to work with a guy like Mark Cuban, with a guy like Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic and him, it's going to be disastrous. I cannot wait for that to absolutely fall apart. Like, I think that is going to be a terrible relationship. I do not see those guys getting along. They're going, I'm telling you right now, they will pitch the story. Someone will have it out there. Well, you know... Jason and Giannis were really close. Like Giannis really liked him. Giannis was heartbroken when he left. He left Milwaukee and forgetting that Giannis is like the most loyal dude ever. And Luka is entirely different than Giannis. Luka complains more than anyone in the league. Luka thinks he's right all the time. Trust me when I say Luka and Jason Kidd will not work well together. They are oil and water. It is going to be bad. And it, it's just not going to work. We've been here before as Bucks fans. We've seen this happen. Again, going back to point number one, Jason Kidd is always invested in himself. 
He's not invested in anybody else. He's always looking to push his career forward. And the, and also, too, they got to trade Chris Stapps for Zingas, or it'll be really ugly. Like, just trade him for a bag of balls because Chris Stapps and Jason Kidd will, not, will also not work. Jason Kidd is a hard ass. Jason Kidd broke Jabari Parker. It doesn't get talked about a lot because Jason Kidd has very well-protected media members who watch his back. Stein is one of them. I think Ramona Shelburne also does a lot of good PR for Jason Kidd. He's well-connected, right? And so no one talks about how he basically mentally ruined Jabari Parker's career. Like, he made Jabari Parker feel like a piece of shit. So I just I just can't see it. I'm sorry. Like I've I watched Jason Kidd underachieve for years. I watched him run a very antiquated offense and just nothing really worked. Now people can change, right? But this is now his third coaching job. This is his third coaching job in what 10 years? Is that right? His third coaching job in 10 years? And there really hasn't been too much success. He never made it out of the first round for the Bucks. I think the Nets had that one year where they surprised the Heat. They might have been a sixth seed, or they had the Raptors. The Nets got into the second round. That was the best kid year that was out there. But nothing about Jason Kidd, the head coach, should give you confidence. And so I just think this is going to end really poorly for Dallas. I, I think this, to me, feels a lot like a Herb Cole move. Like a move to say, all right, we're bringing everybody back. We're getting the vibes back. And this is who we are. This is Dallas culture. We're building a culture here. I guarantee you, you'll hear that. I fucking know that's what's going to happen. Because it's also predictable. Bringing all these guys in is that's what you're doing. You're trying to build this to happen. So we'll see. I hope they put Dallas, uh, Milwaukee on on national television um, whenever they play next year because that will be great, especially back in Milwaukee because Jason Kidd, oh boy, that will not be a fun game for Jason Kidd. Let me tell you, the Bucks fans are going to let Jason Kidd hear it. They are going to, I wouldn't say welcome him back with open arms, but yeah, having getting the clown on Jason Kidd is going to be so much fun. We're going to have a great time with it. And I really look forward to the December 15th headline from Steiny Moe saying, Luca unhappy with kids' tactics. That I set the over-under at December 15th. Snowtap WI Casino is open. We are taking bets. Let me know which one you you which side you're on. Because trust me, that commentary is going to happen. Let's wrap up today's show with the Milwaukee Brewers. They get set for reopening day in Milwaukee. I think on most Fridays in the summer with nothing else going on, reopening day would be a huge thing, but no one really cares. Uh, It's a worst case scenario for the Brewers and Rick Schlesinger. I thought it was a genius idea. I talked about it a few weeks ago on the show, but they ran into a buzzsaw with the Milwaukee Bucks. Everybody is going to be paying attention to the Milwaukee Bucks. Everybody cares about the Milwaukee Bucks. Everybody's plans for Friday night are to go down to the Deer District or to go to your local watering hole. I'll be at Broad House. Shout out. Hope to see you there going for 6-0. and um, And that's what people are going to do. Not a lot of people are going to say, all right, let's go to the ballpark and then go down to the the Deer District or go down to whatever place you're looking for. Now, I could build a case for that, honestly. 
Game's at 3 o'clock. If you take a bar shuttle, you can be back at the bar. You get probably a seat at the bar. I don't know. Maybe you wouldn't. The worst case is if the game goes long. If the game goes long, you're absolutely fucked. Because if the game goes long, then you're then you're dealing with some shit. Because if it's a four-hour game, you take the shuttle back, it's 7.30, it's right around tip-off, and then who knows what the crowd looks like. You might have lines out the door. If it's a popular bar, say like a Jack's or a who's on third, right? Like you could be in some real shit. So maybe that's the argument against it. But even if you don't, like let's say you are taking a shuttle and maybe the game is running long and you just say, fuck it, let's get in an Uber and take an Uber back instead and just eat the whatever, $20 you're paying. I know Ubers are a lot more expensive, but you still make it happen. But yeah, the the Brewers kind of got shit on by the Bucks and the NBA here. They needed a Saturday Bucks game because if they had a Saturday Bucks game, all eyes would be on them. I think a lot of people would into it. I know I would probably be like, yeah, let's do a happy hour, watch the end of the Brewer game after work. I know I'll be watching the game, but I'm not going to try to play hooky. I'm like, I don't know. I'll just have the game on. I'll crack a beer and enjoy it. I mean, nothing's been better in the work from home space than the 330 beer. That to me is is literally one of the best joys. The Friday 330 beer has been so good to me. That That's the perfect, perfect thing to do. And now that we'll have Brewer Baseball on, makes it even better. The only thing we're missing is no Euro soccer, which you don't have till uh, till Saturday, unfortunately. Um, with a couple good games there. Denmark, Wales, Austria, Italy. Italy, man, been amazing. I, I've been trying to work a Gallinari Euro-inspired joke, and I just haven't been able to fire it. We're, we'll get there, trust me. It'll, it'll come to me before... Maybe game three, game game four. I've wanted to say Gallinari hit the pasta bar a little too hard, but I didn't know if that would be fat shaming and people would get mad at me. All right, let's let's reset. Let's get let's get us back here uh, because that went in a hundred different directions. It's going to be a lot of fun for the Brewers today with Corbin Burns on the mound, John Gray coming back off the DL um, to pitch for the Colorado Rockies. I don't know if you know this. The Rockies are one of the worst road teams in baseball. They have six total wins on the road. This is a good series for the Milwaukee Brewers to take advantage. They cannot look ahead to the Chicago Cubs who are coming in town the following week. Um, The Cubs Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, which we'll talk a lot about. But the Brewers cannot look ahead. They need to keep focused and potentially build their lead in the NL Central. The Cubs are playing the Dodgers. Zach Davies was throwing a no-hitter when I started taping. I can't believe that as someone who has a heavy bet on the Dodgers tonight. Um, That is unfortunate to say the least. Uh, But hopefully the Brewers can gain gain some ground on the Cubs and start to kind of build out that NL Central lead. And then that series upcoming next week could really sort of define what we're looking at coming into July and then the home stretch in August. But with what the Brewers have with the Colorado Rockies, they just have to stay the course. You have Lauer pitching, you have Hauser pitching, as well as Burns. This is one, Friday you kind of got to win just because Burns is on the mound and no one else. So let's get the Burns win. I'm not necessarily concerned with the third game post spin rate. I know that, I think it was McAlvey was trying to make a big deal out of it after the Colorado game. The Pittsburgh game was an anomaly. It was a weird game. Corbin Burns got so, soft contact to death. Um, I'm not ready to 
worry about Corbin Burns. If he struggles in this one and the spin rates are down again, then maybe. The, the other thing too, like just the, just a quick note on that, even if the spin rates are down, like Garrett Cole, I saw something. He had the lowest spin rates of anything since 2017, which is A, wild. B, says, says so much about the ascent of Garrett Cole. Three, if I'm a Yankees front office person, it makes me want to eat my lunch and just throw it up immediately after because it that's just... Oh man, that could that could really say a lot about what Garrett Cole actually is. And if Corbin Burns has a good outing, but the spin rates go down, are we really going to freak out about it? I don't think so. I don't think that's something we're going to lose our minds over. If Corbin Burns says goes out there, pitches six or seven innings, and gives up one or two hits, and strikes out nine, and allows maybe a run, is anyone really going to shake their dick at it? I don't think so. I'm certainly not. Um, so I, I think that Corbin Burns will be all right. I think that'll that'll be okay for Burnsy, and hopefully he pitches well. If he doesn't, then yeah, maybe we have to have a discussion about it. Do you also know, just real quickly about the Brewers, that Christian Yelich has 17 hits in June, third best on the team behind Adamas and Urias? It's pretty good, man. Christian Yelich kind of starting to find himself. Yeah, it's not perfect. It's not like a yellowish hot streak we haven't seen a heater yet but i feel like we're getting closer and closer to a yellow cheater like i feel like we're on the precipice of yellow just being out of this world for like two weeks i i can sense it coming i mean this to me would be a good series to have it it feels like any the perfect sort of opening day moment would be yellow just going yabo on a three-run shot to give the brewers the lead and the win uh, that feels right to me. Um, I, I also feel like this is just a great day for Milwaukee. I mentioned it a little bit at the start of this segment, but it's going to be a good one. And I, I can't wait for it. And the crowd should be hyped. Also, too, with the Brewers, Keston Hira, man, we'll see, we'll see what happens there. And we'll see if he can improve upon game one against Arizona. It didn't go so hot, but it was just one game. Um, so a long way to go for Castaddy. And this is kind of his final shot. Like, I, I feel like if you can't figure it out now, maybe just make him a bench player and be content with that. Say, all right, he's a bench guy and we're going to have to look for first base help. CJ Cron will try another addition uh, to be part of the Brewers. He killed them in Coors last weekend. So CJ Cron will, uh, Crone, not Cron, Crone will, uh, try to sort of continue his audition. I love the idea of Jesus Aguilar coming back. Um, there are a few other first base options, which probably is another a larger topic, but let's let's see what Ahura does in the next 10 days. If Hura stinks, we won't bring it up. But if Hura, or I'm sorry, if he stinks, we'll, we'll have, definitely have the topic. If he's good, we won't. We'll leave it alone. But we'll see, we'll see what goes on. Um, and we'll hopefully have a good weekend for the crew before... They take on the Chicago Cubs. All right, that does it for us. We are headed out for the weekend. But even though we, I say that, all right, that does it for today's podcast. We probably will have a podcast tomorrow. I kind of, I want to do a podcast tomorrow. I'm gonna try like hell to have a podcast tomorrow. I have a birthday party for my fiance's grandmother. Shout out, G. And I don't know if I'll be able to, but I'm going to try my hardest. 
If I don't get a podcast out, we'll figure out something. I don't know. Maybe I'll do a fucking Instagram live or something like that to get just give something to the people. So I have it, even though I know very few of you would watch. All right. <laughs> that does it. Have yourself a great Friday. And we'll be back tomorrow. All right. See you. Bye. See, I guarantee the podcast. I said we'll be back tomorrow. I didn't say we'll be back Monday. So we'll be back tomorrow. You believe it, you can do it. All right. I'm, I'm out for real. See you. Bye.